We are glad you found our little corner of the podcast universe. To our subscribers, guests, visitors, and those with a burning desire for an answer to the question, okay, now what? We welcome you to the From Learning to Earning podcast sponsored by OK Now What. This podcast covers topics of interest to anyone starting a business, but is especially focused on the unique concerns of teachers looking to make the move to entrepreneurship. My name is David Zahn, and while I may not have all the answers, I can at least help you answer, okay, now what? Hello, and welcome to this podcast. This podcast will provide insight into something many teachers and many business owners feel ill-prepared for and have very little experience in applying. It is common for many entrepreneurs to be comfortable in their product or service offering. For others, they may feel capable in selling or marketing tasks. However, it is the rare entrepreneur that considers him or herself competent in understanding the quantitative language of business or accounting principles. Unfortunately, Neglecting that side of the business is often a death knell and one that could have been avoided with a little background and insight. Today's guest has experienced the highs and lows of business ownership and has turned that insight into a thriving business, helping others to better understand their financials. To quote a passage on her website, numbers don't lie, but sometimes we lie to ourselves especially about business. The truth is that the financials are how we keep score and determine if we are succeeding or losing. Here to shed light on the essentials you have to know to succeed as a business person is Casey Anton of Spark Business Consulting. Casey formerly owned and ran restaurants and has learned what it takes to control costs, turn a profit, and make a business a success. Casey, welcome to the podcast. Why, thank you so much. That was a great introduction, and I'm super happy to be here. Thank you, David. I'm very much looking forward to hearing all of your various insights. Mm -hmm. so let's begin with the fact that many entrepreneurs or new business owners are passionate about their very product or service, but let's face it, they often feel far less comfortable with understanding the number crunching side of it, the accounting, bookkeeping, finance side. Can you give us the answers to some of the common measures and why they are important? For instance, what is profit exactly? Yeah, that is a great and big and all-encompassing question. And I can't say this is the first time I have been asked that or heard of it. Although from my perspective, it's it's always like, oh, Somebody actually thinks differently about this. And and I find that super intriguing just because I feel like if they're not thinking about the numbers, that's where my head's at. They're thinking about their passion, what it is they make or 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 provide or support. And that's that's where that's where they are. And that's what they're thinking about. But there's a business behind the business, and that's where the numbers come in. So there's so much I could say on that. But I think that the first one is whether this is just you're thinking of starting, let's say, a side hustle or moving right into something full time. 
The numbers cannot be avoided. That never reaps any type of benefit to, to anyone. But they don't have to be intimidating and they don't have to be scary. But they do have to be they do have to be in front of you and you do have to see where you're going. And there's a really simple way to do this. And uh, uh, I would recommend for anyone going into any type of business, whether it's small part time hustle or a full time gig is going in and implementing profit first. Have you heard of profit first, David? I actually have. Yes. The Michael Michaelowitz stuff. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yep. Mike is actually um, one of my business coaches and I work in that community as well. It's based off of his book. It's a best-selling book, Profit First. It's a great read. If um, if anybody's looking for a book to, to pick up on business, it's probably one of the top three I would absolutely recommend. But really, you know, in simplified terms, it's it's manage your money using bank accounts, not a spreadsheet, uh, not even QuickBooks, although I highly recommend as you get fancier that you do that, that you have a QuickBooks or, or simple accounting software. But this is just talking about managing your money using bank accounts that you nickname for their purposes and being able to see, literally go online and see where your money is, really tells you the true story of your business and where you need to spend more time and where you can kind of dial back and have some extra fluff in there. So it's just, it's very visual, but it makes perfect sense in business and business of, again, of any size should do this. So returning to some of the commonly used terms, we hear yeah. people talk about profit and cash flow, which in my own experience is probably as or more important than profit or margin. So if you could just review with us, what are the meaningfulness of some of these commonly spoken of measures? Profit, return on investment, cash flow, et cetera. Balance sheet, right? Right. So those are probably, the, so the two most common reports uh, that we use with all of our clients, and we have well over 200 clients now, and we always start out this way, and it's, to this day, it's the two most common reports will be your balance sheet, and your profit and loss statement, also called an income statement. And I say it in that order. I say balance sheet, and then I say profit and loss. And the reason I go in that order is because your balance sheet, although probably the report that will take someone the longest to really grasp, because it is kind of complicated, and that's okay. You don't really have to grasp it. You just have to know that it is the spine, the backbone of your business. That's what a balance sheet is. It, it is it is the strength of your business. And for, you know, a, a balance sheet is, it's assets and liabilities, really. That's what it is. And the reason why I say it dictates, it dictates the strength of it is because if your liabilities are a lot more than your assets, an example of that would be like maybe you have $5,000 in your bank account. That would be assets. But you have $150,000 loan, liability. That's that's not a very good equation, right? Because if everything stopped today and you had to pay back that loan, you only had $5,000 to do it, well, you're negative $145,000. And that's what your equity would say, a negative $145,000. It's a very simplified way to put it. But in the end, that is what a balance sheet does. It takes your assets what you're worth. So it's cash and and really any assets, equipment, whatnot, some goodwill at the top. But at the bottom is, hey, what, what do you owe against those things? And then the difference between those is your equity. So we're always looking at that very bottom line as what is the equity in the business. And to be honest with you, in the first few years of a business, that's often negative. And that's understandable. 
But the job is to work toward that being positive. And once you get that into the black and positive to make it higher and higher and higher. And it's oftentimes a very neglected line item. And probably the most important one is to make sure that your business is worthwhile, is worth it. Because if it's not, your chances are you might be throwing good money after bad. So that's your balance sheet. Literally, like I say, the spine of your organization. Then we'll move over to the P&L. And while the two work together, they're completely separate reports, even read a different way. And the P&L, your profit and loss, is the story. It is a story of a snapshot in time of what money did you bring in and how much did you spend when you brought that in and what's the difference, which should be profit. And um, it's a very important report. And it really is kind of like a line item detail of all the sales that came in and, and how you might categorize those. And then all the expenses and where they went. And hopefully you made more than you spend and that becomes profit. So it's a great indicator. But um, if you're not, have to, I do have to say that if it's not done correctly, if you have a lot of moving parts, a lot of volume of transactions, if you're God forbid, if you're commingling personal with business, that is not the true story. So you want to make sure you dial that in because that's super important to know that you have a profitable business. But then also, and I'm just going to add one more thing to that is, um, which has a lot has to do with cash flow, but profit should not be the number of a bottom of a piece of paper or the bottom of your screen. Here's your net profit. Okay. That's there. It really should be money in a bank account that you nickname profit and that you can point to and say, there, that's my profit. And I would say that is the number one thing that uh, people do not have when they come in. Clients that come in to work with us is they're like profit. Like, you know, that's my report card. Did I get an A or did I get an F? Like, where is it? Like, nope. We're going to change your whole mindset on that. That should be money that you choose to take. You call it profit and you put it in this account. And then we're going to deal with it at the end of every quarter. And if you don't have enough to pay there, then you know your business is fundamentally flawed and then you get to fixing it. Absolutely. And it's funny to kind of piggyback on what you're sharing. I had done in, in uh, previous years a lot of sales training for major consumer packaged goods companies. And at one particular training with Dr. Pepper 7-Up Company down in Texas, I had shared on this very point that think of the balance sheet as the standings of your sports team. And think of your profit and loss or income statement as the game box yeah. score. What are the things you did within the game to generate the win, the loss, the, the runs, the errors, whatever it may be? And the standings are the balance sheet. Where where do I currently reside? Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so, a great analogy. I love it. Yep. Yep, that uh, works. And that was something that I got a lot of head nodding up and down. Yeah. Oh, I, I can capture that. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to borrow that. If you are enjoying this podcast broadcast and wish to connect with David Zahn to pursue your own journey into entrepreneurship, you can schedule a no-cost and no obligation 20-minute chat and chew with you discussion at www.oknowwhat.biz and that's spelled O-K-A-Y-N-O-W-W-H-A-T dot biz slash get dash started dot html and now back to our podcast. Do you have any stories of clients misunderstanding costs or expenses 
versus investments used to build the business? Oh, my God. Yeah, this is a common theme that I find all the time. And as a matter of fact, I mean, it it'll never ceases to amaze me when I find it. Um, but I find it all the time, like I said. And I just recently started watching this show called Bar Rescue. Are you familiar with it? Okay. Yes. Well, I think everybody in the yes. <laughs> yes, I think everyone in the world is. And considering that I come from a hospitality background, it's shocking that I did not discover the show until like the last like month or two. And it's for it's the same thing in there because you go in there when, when John does the show, right? And he goes in, they tell you kind of the story of what's happening. And really, like this this business has lost loses $20,000 a month or lost $180,000 last year. And then they, they, they put the camera on the owner who's partying and having a great time. And why is that? It's because here's why, because the owner is back plowing money into the business, whether it's their own money, whether it's a loan that they got, whether it's family and friends, whether it's one of those extremely expensive, um, merchant cash advance that's very common in certainly the restaurant industry but any any business that takes credit card sales has a lot of credit card sales every day they can attach that to pay back the loan and but you're you're paying 30 to 40 percent interest so it's like loan sharking but what happens i'm finding is that businesses such as the ones on the show bar rescue but any business that i find coming in is they don't really see that their business model is broken or that they're losing money because they're constantly back plowing money from other areas. Again, whether it's themselves alone, friends and family or whatnot, it doesn't matter to them. They're not seeing that as a broken business model. They're saying, oh, well, there's money in the account and I was able to pay some bills. So I guess I'm successful or successful enough. Huge mistake, right? Huge mistake because any type of money you get, I don't care if it's from your own personal, your friends and family should always really be looked at, at least in your mind, if not on the balance sheet, as a loan that needs to be paid back. Because if you don't, you're giving your business like false hope that it's actually successful when it might not be. So you keeping that completely separate from church and state, your sales are your sales. That's really, that's, that's people willing to come in and pay you for what you're doing or what you're selling. That's sales goes on your profit and loss as we just talked about. And then your expenses of what you had to pay out in order to generate those sales. But money that you put in from loans, grants yourself or whatnot, that doesn't go anywhere near your p &L. That's a balance sheet item that goes against your equity. It's against, again, it's a liability when you do that. And sometimes that liability is necessary. There's a whole chapter. I just wrote the book, uh, Profit First for Restaurants. So it's an iteration of the Profit First book. Mine specifically for restaurants, because in my prior life, that's what I used to do. And I have a whole section on how debt is not your friend. It can it, it can be necessary, but you need to control the beast and not let it control you. Like in those merchant cash advance type loans that some people might know what I'm talking about. Like, they're very tempting because they're super easy to get. And like in a day that money's dropped into your account, but you are paying a lot of money on top of that. They control your cash flow. It's a problem. And but it can be, it can be rally. You can control it if you know what you're doing. So that's a, probably my biggest answer to that question is to make sure that if you're putting money into your business account, if it's not sales and if it's from you or a loan, that you are separating that out, that you have a plan to pay it back. Very important. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned when you were creating the profit bank account that you check that quarterly. Is that sort of the pacing that I should be using for all of checking on my financial performance? Oh, no. 
Nope. So your regular financial performance, I mean, I I do weekly for me, that, but that's because I do numbers for a living. So you don't have to. like. But weekly is one measure if you're really into it or if cash is um, you know, an issue or can be an issue. Like for, um, for my restaurants, especially in the book, I have them do it weekly. Every week I want you to go in and I want you to allocate money into your account. So you know what you have to spend where so weekly. And then at worst, at worst monthly quarterly is only reserved for profit. Cause it's a quarterly event and, and your owner's taxes as well. That's something that you pay and then if you run a successful business, you will owe taxes that we live in America and that goes hand in hand. And you should want to pay taxes, really not not more than you owe. But if you're not paying taxes, it means you're doing something wrong in your business. So you want to pay taxes, and they're quarterly. And so that's a quarterly event. And, and profit is also a quarterly event because you kind of need the full three months to really see how your business flushes everything out. And so every quarter you go into your profit account and you use that either to um, pay back loans because the only way to uh to pay off any type of debt is through profit there's no other way to do it so use that money to pay off loans and if you don't have any loans if you're debt free congratulations but then that goes to reward the owner or whatever the owner decides to do with it now you mentioned taxes and for most people who have been salaried employees yeah. they think of taxes as a once a year event or maybe they think about the sales tax that they have to pay on a mm. particular purchase how is it different for a business owner? What are the different tax, taxes that they have to be concerned about? Yeah. So if you're coming from a W-2 employee where it's really kind of all taken care of you, it is, and you just get that W-2 and you file your one annual tax return, this is a whole other ball game. And it's okay. It's actually fairly simple. There's just a lot more moving parts that you have to do as a business owner. And it all stems from what type of tax entity you choose to be. So there's a several. The most common are going to be sole proprietor, also kind of known as a DBA. You're also taxed at the highest tax rate to do it that way. But if you're going to stay small, again, if this is a side hustle or something that, let's say you yourself are going to make less than $60,000 a year at, then that's okay to be a DBA because in the end, the taxes will be the same. So you could be a DBA. You could be an LLC. A single member LLC is taxed the same way as a sole proprietor. So there's no tax benefit in doing that. You do get some legal protections around doing an LLC. So I would recommend doing that at least just for the legal protection, but the taxes are the same. Um, and then you have your S Corp and C Corps. We, C Corps is like a different beast. We don't deal with a lot of them. I don't think that the list, your listeners may not deal with a lot of C Corps either. It's usually kind of reserved for like the Walmarts and Targets of the world. But S-Corps is really common. And one of my favorites, um, especially if you plan on doing well and making more than mean profiting or salary more than 60000 a year out of your company, if that's what your projections say, you're going to want to be an S-Corp because there's a really big tax savings that'll kick in there. But in any of those, in any of those entities, there's going to be, you have to pay your taxes in to um, the IRS. So that's your federal. And you pay them in quarterly based on what the IRS tells you to pay in. I can get into a little bit more about that. And then if you live in a state um, that has income tax, it's the same thing. So the same day that you sit down to pay your quarterly estimated federal taxes to the IRS, you'll also be paying your state taxes. And uh, your CPA would give you vouchers for those. But really, it's just based off of how profitable your business was. Um, and then taking about... 
that's it all in maybe 35 to 40 percent of that bottom line number and paying that in over the over each quarter per year because the goal is when you go to file that april 15th taxes for yourself you want to net zero that is always the goal to net zero you don't want to give the government all your money to then give back to you basically interest free at the end of the year and you certainly don't want to have to write them a big check at the end of the year either in April, right? You The goal is to net zero. That's the game. And that's how you, when you work with a CPA, you work with a firm like ours. If, you, if you're very good at accounting and do it yourself, like you can watch that and know and pay enough every quarter so that when April comes around, you net zero. Well, that brings up an interesting point. And that is, how do I know when it's appropriate for me to move from the do it myself to hiring maybe a part-time bookkeeper to actually having a CPA either uh, on staff or on retainer? Well, I would say if you're going to be, uh, if you're going to have one, if you're going to have a partnership, which I would never, ever recommend, but some people still do them, uh, you're going to want to definitely want to have a professional preparer do them because those are no joke and they're not, even I can't figure those out. So they're not for the faint of heart and they're not for um, TurboTax. So if you're going to have, if you're going to be a partner or you're going to go into an S corp or corporate structure in that way, you definitely need a professional. There's about a bazillion bells and whistles that only they know to figure out. And again, TurboTax, no, I've seen nothing but nightmares when it comes to TurboTax for those type of complicated entities. If you're going to stay a DBA or a single member LLC, which again is just like a sole proprietorship, it's the same thing really, you could probably you could probably do them yourself. I might even recommend you you give it a shot maybe your first year and see and see what happens or maybe you just meet with um an EA an enrolled agent or a CPA one time you pay them for their time one time or maybe they'll give it to you complimentary to say hey this is what I came up with this is what I'm thinking of filing and either get their blessing and be like yeah this looks great you're on your way and there are plenty that'll do that or they might say, this is completely bonkers. I don't know where you come up with these numbers and let's get someone in here. And it might be a once a year time that you you pay for. Like you don't want to get it wrong is what I'm getting at. It costs way more to get it wrong than it does to pay someone to do them right in the first place. And it really kind of depends on your aptitude for numbers um, and how well you get it. Because it is not complicated if you're decent with numbers. It's not a complicated thing. If you're on the fence, go to a professional. You don't want to mess with that. Sure. So then... What tools or resources can you recommend for the soon-to-be business owner to help them initially start their business? Are there softwares? Are there other resources you would recommend? To hmm, That's a great question. So there's a couple of different places I would go. I, there's a lot of free resources out there. Um, Score is one of the is one of them. So that is um, like the retired entrepreneurs. And I know a lot of some of our clients started out there before they were ready to come to us. Um, I do know that in Massachusetts anyway, there's a couple of nonprofits. One is called um, the MGCC, the Massachusetts Growth Capital Corp. And that's really for existing business to get lending, but they do have some really great programs. So I would probably search around to look for if you're really just starting up and kind of want to learn like the ins and outs of starting a business. Those are some great free resources. Something else, if you want a more customized approach, hey, this is the type of business that I'm starting. What do I need to know? I would recommend working with a firm like mine. I'm sure there's more than mine out there where you just say, listen, I have clients come to us and say, listen, I, I just want to meet with you for an hour or two and pick your brain about this is what I'm trying to do. 
We do that here all the time. It's um, they just call. We have a questionnaire and then we schedule a meeting with them. We could do it on Zoom. We could do it here in Norwell in our conference room. And it's almost like a mini version of Shark Tank. And it was, you know, what it is. And it's they bring us their idea and we vet it out and we we give them some homework to do. And you, sometimes they can take the ball and run with themselves. Actually, more often than not, that's usually the case. And we might see them two or three years from now when they're really knocking it out of the park and they need higher level services. But we're just here. We just want to you know, help entrepreneurs create the business of their dreams. So if we can help get them started in the right direction and show them the pitfalls, like the things to watch out for, we can usually do that in a one or two hour meeting with them, at least to get them started. Casey, this has been tremendously enlightening, and I'm wondering if people wanted to get in touch with you to learn more or potentially work with you, how would they go about contacting you? Oh, great. Yes. Well, we have our website, Spark Business Consulting. So it's S-P-A-R-K, like in Spark Plug, sparkbusinessconsulting.com. We update that regularly. We have all kinds of information, blogs. We have a university on there. You can really learn a lot from from that website alone. And of course, you can follow us on social media as well. But you can get in contact with us through any of these mediums. I will get it myself as the owner. Everything comes to me. I love to be the first point of contact when I meet somebody new. And so on Instagram, it's at Spark Business Consulting. The same for Facebook, Spark Business Consulting. You can find us there. But if you send us a DM or you um, chat us through the website or however you want to get in touch, it'll come right to me and uh, i love to meet startups and new businesses and answer any questions you might have. Well, greatly appreciate the time you spent with us. And I look forward to continuing the dialogue in future discussions. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. Certainly. You have been listening to From Learning to Earning, hosted by David Zahn, the teacher's business mentor. If you have not already done so, please register to join the Facebook group Business Launch from Fear to Fabulous, where you can find additional information and participate in a community of like-minded people venturing into business ownership. And if you are ready to receive one-on-one coaching or enroll in a self-paced course to make your dream business a reality, you can contact David Zahn at www.oknowwhat.biz backslash get-started.html. And as always, we want to hear from you about topics you would like to have covered or your feedback on this or other episodes. Drop us an email with your thoughts at David Zahn, D-A-V-I-D-Z-A-H-N at OKNowWhat.biz. And don't forget to invite your friends to listen to this or any of our other episodes and join our podcast community.